0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Blaze's Edge podcast. I'm your host, Danny Morang, and we're going to get right into it uh, off the tail end of the Philadelphia 76ers 76ers unceremoniously getting the heave-ho from the Atlanta Hawks-Trey Young. Uh, and the boys uh, taking care of business, uh, and that has obviously spurred a lot of debate. Uh, I've got a ton of questions here from the Mailbug. I'm going to get to those first, and then we're going to dive into the the Ben Simmons stuff uh, on the back end of the pod. Uh, as always, thank you to everybody who got questions in. Uh, a lot of good ones that uh, got away from outside C.J. McCollum trade, so uh, thank you for those, because as much as that's probably the biggest question right now, outside of signing Norm or re-signing Norm, um, it's nice to have discussion about other stuff. Yeah. So, um, Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, as always, like, rate, review, subscribe. If you're watching the, the playback on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Uh, obviously, I'm dedicating more content to this as I kind of shift to doing this during the offseason. Uh, and then, obviously, again, there's some more announcements coming uh, along that line uh, of, of what I've got going, uh, a contract that I signed. So, uh, again, thank you, for everybody, for all the support. really appreciate it. And I guess we'll just kind of dive right into it. I'm just going go to go in these in order. Of which they were received. Uh, This this one from Bala's Info. At Bala's underscore info. Any thoughts on the bench for next year? Could a group of Ant, Nas, DJ, Collins, and a new pass-happy up-temple point be sneaky good? Could could it? Sure. Likely? Eh. I don't know how much you can count on DJ being here, number one. Zach being here and healthy. Ant, Nas fully growing into those roles you have got to have a vet and it's not I don't think it's just the point guard I think you you need a vet on the bench um just to kind of figure it out uh unless you're going you know like the Brooklyn nets that they basically relying entirely on their starters uh for what 48 53 minutes um you got to have somebody there you can count on uh to get some kind of contribution i'm obviously an ant guy i think he can develop into the somebody uh, pretty damn impactful outside of his three point shooting, but he's got to make the leap. I mean, this this is that leap, that third, the fourth year. This is when it's supposed to happen. The ball handling, the defense has got to be more consistent, that kind of stuff. Um, Nas, he's just got to get his body right. He has just had such crappy luck with everything from COVID to tweaks and ankle rolls and. Uh, the heart issue that he had in the bubble after passing out. Like, there's just so many stupid things that has popped up for him that he's had to deal with. I just want him to get healthy and be a part of the rotation and see if there's something there that clicks and gets him going. Because we've seen flashes of brilliance. Um, you've seen a retool jumper, his ability to attack the rim. That's stuff that I really like. And I, I know I'm not the biggest Zach Collins guy, but he's just got to be healthy. Like, that's, that's the big thing. But... I'll dive more into the free agency stuff once we know what this team is going to kind of look like, what the core pieces, the core pillars are going to look like. Because so much, if they've made a deal for Simmons or something, or Harris, you're going to see some moving parts to balance out the rest of the roster. Um, In that bench is going to see some pretty significant changes, in my opinion. Uh, This one from Josh is a Simmons deal. Uh, There we go. Go back to the coaching circle. Flat cap goalkeeper at flat cap GK asks, has the Dallas and other coaching news affected the timeline for the Blazers coaching hire process? What is the latest they can reasonably wait until they need this sorted? Not much longer. The league new year starts up pretty darn quick. Um, you've got the lottery, which doesn't really impact the Blazers all that much unless we're talking about somehow pick compensation and like where things line up like once that's known like that known commodity like right now it's kind of like the mystery box like you could have a boat or a mystery box because before the lottery you don't know where that pick's gonna fall so um but the blazers i don't think you're gonna be too worried about that i think it's probably back of mind at best uh, but sh- because of the shorter calendar offseason, you're probably gonna want to get things figured out pretty darn quick i would say probably two weeks ish like th- then you're getting into early mid-july several leagues a month away from there, you probably want to see some things figured out by then. Uh, As far as the Dallas news impacting the timeline, yeah, it adds another top-tier coach to the list. And see what you want about Carlisle. Number one, he's not a Terry Stotts clone or Terry Stotts 2.0. They're wildly different people. Uh, Stotts, much more laid back, much more chill, lets the reins loose. Uh, How do I say this about Carlisle? Taskmaster. That's that's what we'll call it. Very... uh, micromanagey um, gets in guys ears a lot the reins are tightened up quite a bit um, just because Terry and, and Rick coach together do not get it twisted they do not operate the same way <laughs> they were the yin and yang to how they go about things um, but I definitely think that impacts the coaching process timeline as far as who's going where it sounds like Chauncey's getting additional interviews with the Celtics um, I've heard Becky Hammond is getting an additional look Uh, because it looks like Pop's actually going to stay in San Antonio longer. Um, I've heard Dawn Staley's name come up more frequently off-record with the Blazers, so that'll be interesting to see if there's really any legs to that, but I have heard more than a couple times now, which is a little bit surprising, um, just because she wasn't one of the ones that was publicly granted an interview. So, Um, Yeah, a lot of this stuff has popped up as far as Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, and this is before this game, so... Um, I, from Wayne Hughes at Reading the Water is there really a chance of no changes on this current roster I hope Neil can pull off some big moves is working around the fringes has not worked no and if you're looking for that silver lining from this season is that you can't point to something you can't be like oh the Blazers outperformed expectations you know uh, after LaMarcus left and they they broke the 26 and a half win line I think is what it was in 15-16 they got, what, 40, 42 that year? 44? I can't remember. Um, but you're like, yeah, we can build on this. Cool. Okay, uh, that's that's fine. I, I don't think it's going to work, but sure, why not? And next year, you outperform expectations again and and you outperform expectations again, and you trade for Yusuf Nurkic the year before. You had the Nurk fever. Then you have the next year, you know, he's hurt. And then the Western Conference Finals run. Well, hey, if we get everybody healthy, we'll run it back. And then you have your entire roster basically decimated. You've got Mario Hezonja and Anthony Tolliver playing center. You're like, ah, if you squint hard enough, maybe they just need to be healthy. Nurk is mostly healthy but out of shape, and then they're healthy and for the most part outside of Zach Collins um, going to the playoffs this year, and they get unceremoniously run out. All of that is to say that their excuses are gone. The uh, reasoning you could use to justify not making a particular move is gone. All of that stuff is gone. The coach, the shield, that that card that you pull as a GM, as a last-ditch effort, is gone. The only thing left are big-time personnel changes and a new GM or new president of basketball operations. That's the list. So... And I don't think they're going to run this back. I I have a very, 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 very hard time believing that they're going to run it back with the Dame CJ core. Um, I've said this before. I know they were not outwardly shopping him a ton last year, but for the first time ever he was available. They are going to shop him, shop him this season, or this offseason, I should say. Um, I don't think, and this has kind of been the case, but this is definitely more so this year, Damian Lillard is off the table. Everybody else is on the table. I I, I firmly believe everybody else is on the table at this point uh, for the right deal. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see if that turns out to be entirely true beyond CJ. Like, is Covington available? Is Nurkic available? Obviously, we heard Nurkic's comments in the post-game press conference following the last game of the season. Name dropping, Rich Paul as agent and clutch, and not sure if he wants to be here. Or if you know, that's never stuff you want to hear. I, I give it a little bit of a grain of salt because it's fresh at the end of the season. You're not, you're definitely not excited. But the Rich Paul name drops. I'm like, ah, really, Nurk? That's what we're gonna do. Um, so I, I'll I'll talk about use of Nurkitz a little bit more later this week, um, and the the ripple effect of what other things could have. And I think this is a good way to kind of transition into this. Uh, Mr. Julius from Joel, just Joel CJ spoke about successfully reaching the playoffs since being in Portland. Is there a complacency in this team? The foundational building blocks, Neil, Terry, Dame, CJ, two of those have been removed. So if there was complacency, I, I think that there's a good chance that that isn't necessarily the case going forward. I think that there was probably a case of complacency, uh, if I had to kind of run up against it. Um, but I think that's also the case. Like you look at the, the the roster turnover around the league, and there's just so many rosters. Like a team, a guys, a group of like top three, top four level players uh, within a roster. Like them being together for two or three years is like a long time now. Like you look at the Jazz, and you're like, oh Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. And you're like, and Joe Ingles, you're like, oh yeah, they've been together. And you're like, oh, Conley's only been there two years, Boyan's only been there two years, Clarkson's been there. Like it's just like, oh wow. You look at Phoenix. Yeah, Book has been there a while. Aiton's in his second year. Bridges is what second year. Chris Paul just got there. So there's a bunch of turnover there. Paul George obviously in Kawhi, obviously just got to LA. Batum just got there. So you look at all these rosters and there's so much just rampant turnover um, that I think it's hard. For complacency to set in for a lot of teams because of that huge turnover at the top, that churn. Where Blazers haven't had that. And what they've done is I think they've recategorized it. Instead of complacency, they've called it consistency. That's I think the difference is consistency of leadership, consistency of style, consistency of personality and relationships. It's about marketing, it's about branding, it's about well, we couldn't make a move that we really wanted to make because we didn't have the assets, so we'll go ahead and rebrand this and say this is what, you know, this. That's maybe a little bit (laughs) silver-tongued, but I I think that's definitely um, something that has been at play. Uh, All right, let's kind of pivot, (laughs) because this is what everybody is talking about right now, and it's got uh, fiery opinions, I think, around it is a good way to put it. Um... Let's go with Josh Bullock, at Jab Aspie, if the Blazers were able to swing a CJ Plus trade for Simmons. One, would the Blazers have the pieces to trade for Miles Turner from the Pacers? Two, what would that look like? Three, would that be a good follow-up move to provide shooting and spacing? Give me a second. I, I need this moment to myself. <sighs> yeah, that's a fever dream. And I'm not saying that to throw him under the bus. It would be fan freaking fantastic. I would love it. The flexibility of a Ben Simmons slash Miles Turner uh, front court, yeah. Give me that defensive versatility, athleticism. You've got two potential defensive players of the year. Your offense is a bit limited, in which case, if you're going to go for the full overhaul, I'd look at moving Covington because I think Ben's better played as a four. Um, you could have Ben play interior uh, offensively, uh, spread the court, court with Miles. I'd want to find a guy who's an all-offense. This is a really bad example because of the series he just had, but you'd want a Joe Harris type, a Kevin Herter, something like that. Like Herter's actually like better defensively, so that's maybe not a good example. But a Duncan Robinson, where you're just an absolute baller from three. That's kind of what you would look for. I think you want a guy who can get a little bit of his own shot. Uh, be a shot creator, uh, but again, that's like a fever dream. If, if the Blazers' only thing they did was move for Simmons this offseason, I'd be pretty ecstatic. The fit's a little bit funky, especially with Nurk. Um, the same kind of cramped operation you get because Nurk can't stretch the floor, uh, whereas Joel, while he can, it's not his best function, is going to exist. Um, Cove, you can definitely still park in the corner. Um, you want as much space out there. Um, but yeah, Turner would be kind of the ideal center, um, to play off of, uh, a Ben Simmons at the four. He's not an entirely high usage guy as far as eating up a ton of possessions. Okay. as a three point shooter. But I think he's at 35% for his career. I was looking at him the other day. I'm just kind of going off the top of my head. So please, if you're, you know, uh, stat checking this for accuracy, um, Go ahead and confirm that one. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Yeah, that that would be about as good as you could possibly get. Um, This is kind of in the same vein. This is from Colin Pettit, Colin Petit. I'm going to assume it's Pettit. I, I don't want to butcher it. At Colin Pettit. So if Portland is truly able to pick up Simmons, do you think they'd have to move Nurkic to better maximize him? Feels like a floor spacing big would be needed. I like Portis with a TPMLE. In this case, what would Nurkic's value be? So I, I, I'm working on a thing for Yusuf Nurkic later this week, and I've asked around like what Nurkic's value is. He actually does have plus value. There's the idea of, number one, he's an expiring deal. Number two, he's a valuable player. He's still in his prime. Uh, he's one of the truly big bigs. Uh, who can handle, uh, to a, an extent, an Embiid or a Jokic or an Ayton. Like There's only so many guys in the league that you can trust to make those kind of plays. I think Portis would be a really good fit. Uh, he's definitely on, on my short list, but I think he's going to get more than TPMLE money, which is, I think, like $6 million, if I remember right, um, I think he probably gets closer to M L E, maybe not quite that much, but I think that you're splitting the difference. You're probably looking at like eight or nine. Um but yeah, again, I, I still think that's probably the way that you would go. Um if you're looking at if you if you made the deal for Ben Simmons, and perhaps their mutual agency would want that split to happen. Uh, let's not again, let's keep in mind Ben Simmons, Yusuf Nurkic, both clutch. So that's that's something to keep in mind. Um, trying to optimize clients' earning potential. Um, if if Ben came here, maybe they would want to get Nurk somewhere We're in a situation where uh, he's better optimized, better used, better uh, set up to succeed. Because uh, let's be honest, Ben does all the things Nurk does, but probably better outside of obviously shooting. Like. Ben's an elite playmaker. He's a passing savant on the run, either hand, in the air, off the pick and roll, one handed, right handed, left handed. He is unbelievable. Uh he, he makes plays happen effortlessly. Um, and he's a transition monster. So yeah, I uh I'm getting I'm getting the whole idea of getting excited about this is kind of hilarious because Three weeks ago. is was just a non-starter. So uh, This is kind of a different way to look at things. This is from Jeremy Kreklo at Strife. If you could have your choice of the lot, what is the order you would put these guys in, in terms of want, fit, and probability? Simmons seems the most portable now of this last, I'm assuming it's basically possible, now of this last series, which is crazy to think about going to the playoffs. The group here is Simmons, Middleton, George, Harris, Butler, and Sabonis. <sighs> the biggest potential guy here is simmons that's the thing but and this is a big but that needle swings so far from where he's at now this is probably rock bottom for him if it's not yikes but i have i have a reeling suspicion this is rock bottom but peak ben simmons is truly incredible if he gets if he just shoots if he just shoots his lips, if he just dunks, and I know it's it's a simple thing, but it's also a big ass. It's clearly a mental block at this point. Um, something's going on. Can they figure that out? Does it make sense? But the potential is higher than anybody on here, say, Paul George. Paul George is a, Hall, is a Hall of Famer probably right now. Uh, you look at his accolades, and you're like, I've heard somebody ask me that the other day, and I looked at his numbers, and I was like, God, he really probably is. He's probably a Hall of Famer right now. Simmons is a defensive player of the year or two away from being at least in the conversation for like yeah he's on a hall of fame track which he's 25 yeah that's nuts Uh, i pulled up the numbers between uh draymond 15 16 to 17 18 the peak draymond years and compared them to ben simmons over the last three years um Ben exceeds or beats Draymond in pretty much every box score and advanced stat there is outside of shooting. Um, and that doesn't mean they're the same player or that Ben's this or Draymond's that. It's just it's, when you keep that in the back of your head, you have to reframe things when you're talking about, oh, Ben Simmons sucks. He doesn't suck, he just has glaring shortcomings. He's still a. He finished second for Defensive Player of the Year. Those guys don't suck. Like, that's. We we gotta we gotta reframe reframe how we talk about this. Um, this from Nate at Nate Frog Dog who has a frog dog emoji in his name, which good for you. <laughs> ben Simmons is his defense and distribution still enough to offset a player of that caliber not being able to be counted on in crunch time to make shots. Love to the, def- the defense and length, but do we have or need to add more complementary pieces to have everything fit? Yes, you do. To make it truly optimized, yes. You need more shooting. Having two non-three-point shooters in Nurk and Simmons is probably a non-starter. You'd have to get really creative with how you want to attack things. But, um, yeah, the distribution facilitation... Everybody keeps asking, you know, what, what do you do with Ben Simmons? Offensively, you put him on the ball and you let him create, and this is where having a stretch five or or at least a a pick and pop five makes a little bit more sense because the pick and roll actions can be different. But you put Ben on ball, you put him in pick and roll actions, you get a switch, he gets downhill, and again, he does crazy, crazy, crazy things for your offense. There was a number that I had the other day. Ben Simmons accounted for over 25% of The 76ers made threes this season. Him and Julius Randle's of, like, the bigs that I tracked. So, uh, the big list was, oh, jeez. It was, I believe, Draymond. Um, Here it is. Nurkic, Bam, Kat, Draymond, Gasol, Sabonis, Jokic, Randle, and Simmons. The guys you typically think of as, as creators is bigs, right? So... Nurk accounted for, excuse me, of Nurk's assists, 42% of his assists were for threes. For comparison's sakes, 52% of Simmons' threes or assists went for threes, and that accounted for over 26% of Philadelphia's total three-pointers made. Ben Simmons missed 13 games. His total assists on threes was 208. Julius Randle was 239, Jokic was 224, Draymond was 214. So in 13 less games, he had 14 less assisted threes than Jokic. So for all of this, he doesn't take three stuff, and it's real. He gets it back as a creator, putting it in guys' hands. Dane has been an elite catch-and-shoot three-point guy his entire career. He has not had those opportunities effectively, I think, because when he is off ball and C.J. is handling, where does C.J. McCullum go? To the mid-range or to the paint? It's to the mid-range. He doesn't get all the way to the paint and collapse and pull guys down off the backside to help off Damian Lillard. Ben Simmons shoots at one place, the rim. Everybody knows he shoots at the rim he still finishes at an elite level, despite knowing. It's like Giannis. It was like, oh, just make him shoot threes. Or he's just going to keep going to the rim with one of two moves that you know is coming. You can't stop it because he's a freak. So even despite his shortcomings, Simmons still attacks the rim and finishes regularly and defenses help. Now, if you're helping and collapsing regularly on a guy who continues, even though he doesn't shoot for whatever that is in in this playoff series... I don't know, but he still is getting those three-point looks and seeing Norman Powell, seeing Damian Lillard, seeing a Covington or, or a, a player of that ilk or another catch-and-shoot three-point guy or, heaven forbid, a secondary unit where he's working with Anthony Simons, who's one of the three best catch-and-shoot three-point three guys in the NBA this year, there are opportunities there. And I think that's something that's real. That's something that exists. That's something you have to kind of figure out um this is from bark city barbecue um not sure on the coach free agency they want them to get better i don't care who's on the team just win i'm kind of in the same boat outside of damian lillard also they they wanted to say uh pork ribs and brisket which again fantastic i actually had the uh the, the great father's day special today um pulled pork and brisket Uh, which was delicious. Shout out stores in Newburgh. um, Incredibly good. Um, I was asking again what people's favorite Father's Day uh, cookout uh, meals were, and uh, I'm definitely in line with Bark City Barbecue. Having Simmons back there defensively, that's the thing we're kind of glossing over here. He takes the burden off the point of attack. He's probably the best point of attack defender in the entire NBA, and I don't think that's any stretch of the imagination. His length, his athleticism, his ability to get through screens. He's just big enough to switch one through five and be comfortable. Um, I will have the image of him picking up Dame at 45, 50 feet regularly and hounding him and bothering Damian Lillard burned into my head for as long as I watch basketball. I've never seen a player individually bother Damian Lillard as much as Ben Simmons did this season. Um, It was nuts. Uh, that definitely made my eyes go wide a couple times. Dame didn't know what to do with him. And that is such a massive thing that is so different from everything Portland has had. I'm trying to figure out if it's Wes or Nick that was their best point of attack defender. It was probably Wes because he was allowed to be so physical. Nick just really shot passing lanes. I don't know, give or take. Um... This is another one. I want to make sure I get this. Uh, it's a little bit of the same, but Sam at Pam Sears. Um, I'm assuming Sam Pierce. Okay, yeah. If we pick up Ben Simmons, do we need to hunt a Miles Turner as player to space the floor? I feel like the Dame Simmons pick and roll will be unstoppable the force, but properly. And this is the flip side because before I derailed myself, if you're putting Damian Lillard in pick and roll situations with Ben Simmons as the screener and you trap Damian Lillard at 35 feet, good luck good luck because if that ball gets to the other side of the floor or to Ben Simmons in the middle of the floor to play four on three, where he is, again, an elite finisher at the rim, and you've got additional shooters on the floor, he's going to play four on three downhill and either dunk it on your head or find the open look. And you have to ask yourself real questions as a defense – for what your real pick your poison is. And in this sense, offensively, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum have been the Blazers' best offensive players for ever. They can't run pick-and-roll actions together. Having Ben Simmons, I don't know if he would be your best offensive player, but he would be there in a sense of most important alongside Damian Lillard they can run that pick and roll together and the decision-making and the playmaking and the downhill finishing alone would be something to behold. In my opinion, it would be an elite combo that we haven't seen in in Philadelphia. We haven't seen them. Like they haven't had a, a pick and roll ball handler that can unlock Ben Simmons as a screener. Like you've seen some DHO actions with shake Milton and, uh, Seth Curry, and you've, you've seen those kind of things, but you you haven't seen a true pick and roll maestro run that. And I think that's the big thing. And now here's the big overarching question: After all of this, is this viable? Is C.J. McCollum for Ben Simmons viable? I have asked around after the series. I had asked around going into the series, from both national folks, uh, a few different agents, a few folks in in market, and. It has seemingly been eh, to, yeah, probably. Especially after the comments made by both Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid in the postgame, they they both threw Ben on the bus pretty hard. Um, here's the wild card that I had pointed out by more than a few people: the guy running the personnel is Daryl Morey, is about as creative and good as it gets when it comes to making these deals. That makes me have reservations of him being actually available for what Portland would have on offer. I, because it's Daryl Morey and because of how good he has been in these, I, I I tend to believe the ask would be on the higher side and the return would be something closer to, like, CJ and two firsts, which I think I do. I, I think I, I – no, I, I'm pretty sure I do. Um, I didn't think it was possible, but it's – from what I've been able to gather uh, in this short time, it does sound like Ben Simmons and the con- post-game press post press conferences and just overall immediate reaction might have legitimately costed Philadelphia some capital and a potential move for him, uh, just in at least as far as the public leverage play. But I tend to... Downplay that stuff a little bit more in these kind of negotiations because these things aren't just—he's not going to flip on two K and be like, ah, screw this. I had a back, you know, and just ship him out. I don't think that's going to happen. There's going to be discussions that take place. What do we really need? Who matters? Who makes sense? Da da da. da. You know, what can we get for somebody else? What offers on the table? Like Daryl Morey is a master of manipulating assets, so he, who knows? Who maybe he could involve OKC and get a pile of picks for. You know, Simmons going to a third team and get a, a scoring guard in return. You know, they, they can manipulate things that way. Um, I, I think you could see some pretty interesting things, but the straightest line does appear to be, like Zach Lowe said on his podcast the other day, CJ for Ben and then figuring out what that line is. You know, what what is the value right now for both? Uh, I think CJ's value has been CJ's value for like four years. Ben Simmons appears to be a bit more volatile, and that's insane. (laughs) I'll say it. Uh, I think it's pretty crazy. But the fact that it's actually a possibility at this point, pretty cool. This is the kind of swing, and I, I, I tweeted it out earlier, this is the kind of swing where it's so big that if it goes great, awesome, fantastic, love it. If it goes bad, you live with it. I would. I have constantly and consistently hounded publicly for neil o'shea to make a move of consequence this is that move and if they make the move i will live with the consequences and be you will not see me in even if there's something toxic going on in the background with ben simmons unless it is so untenable that you just can't justify it but you still do it which i haven't heard anything to that regard I think you have to do it if, if a legitimate and palatable offer is on the table. I, I just that's that's where I sit on this because they have sat on the pot for so long and never, never, never done it. Um, and everybody talks about well, it takes two to tango. Da da, da, da. Cool. I, I'm not going to get into the semantics and re- relitigating this stuff. I have my opinions, and I have you know people that I've talked to, and I'm at the point where if this is a tenable and re- like realistic. Thing that could possibly happen swing for it swing for it you're not going to find a higher upside player that's that i think that's just non-debatable at this point you are not going to find a guy who is a potential hall of famer that you're going to get otherwise so i think that's where we'll leave it and again thank you to everybody for all the questions uh hopefully we get some 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 movement on a coaching hire uh, a potential trade uh, off-season stuff. Like I said, I'll have some stuff coming out on Yusuf Nurkic, some free agency uh, breakdowns. Uh, that'll come a little bit later. Uh, in between both those, I will have the Blazers off-season video. I'll probably do it a multi-part. You know, if then, you know, why, who, what, when, where, why, uh, everything that kind of goes behind that. So, uh, pay attention for that uh until then thank you all very much like rate review subscribe leave review do all of those things uh thank you so much for being a part of this being a part of the community again i always want to try to emphasize this um because i'm really bad at it for more off more often than not of just kind of rolling on to the next and i love this stuff you may hate me you may love me you may disagree with me you may agree with me i I love this stuff. I genuinely do. So um, that I get to do this uh, regularly is very, very cool. And and the community that we have here is awesome. So thank you all so much. Uh, I'll catch you guys next week. Uh, Until then, take care. Bye.